from Quite the Thing Media. Hi everybody, my name is Jack Shaw and this is quite the interview from Quite a Thing Media where I get a guest on, let them pick a topic and basically ask questions that have never been asked before. Just before we start, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our host, Captivate. We're recording on Squadcast and this meeting was arranged on Matchmaker.fm. I'm speaking to Matt today. We've, we've spoke before, Matt. How are you getting on? Yeah, good, Jack. Yeah, it's been a good few weeks since we last met, haven't we? I think the last time we, we spoke, it was probably still winter. Um, in fact, it probably still is in Glasgow, isn't it? Um, it's been warm the last week or two, to be fair. And people that know me know that I am, without putting too fine a point on it, kind of fat and ginger. So I don't really take the heat well. And it's been pretty clammy up here. What's it been like down in Taunton? Yeah, well, similar. Yeah, wet, a bit wet, a bit warm. Um, but I'm also ginger and a little on the, the, the wrong side of svelte, <laughs> let's say. But I'm one of these rare gingers that, that actually quite likes the heat. Um, I, you know, I, I think that skin cancer is definitely going to be the way to go for me. Um, I, I can't, you know, some people like just don't like going out in, in the sun um, when they're my colouring, but I can't get enough of it, to be honest. Yeah, it's not something that I am a massive fan of. I just can't, just can't, like, 10 minutes, even that's if it's, it like, takes. yeah, 20, 22 degrees, and that's me. Bless you, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely scuppered. Getting man. a bead on. You have to stay with it, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, I think I was definitely, um, yeah, born, uh, I think I'm half fish, to be honest. I spend most of my time in water, paddleboarding, swimming, um, climbing mountains that kind of stuff um so you know i just have to sort of take the pain when it comes to sunburn and, and, and deal with it you know given that half the year i'm freezing cold so <laughs> yeah t- talking about swimming when i was in primary school which we're going to get to um with your topic when i was in primary school i got my 1000 meters badge that you could stitch on to your speedos i was a really good swimmer and about two years ago i tried to go swimming again and you kind of think that it's something that you won't forget, but I had completely forgotten how to swim. I thought it was like a bike, but I was nearly drowned, to be perfectly honest with you. Is that because you were wearing the same speedos that you were wearing when you got your 1,000-metre badge and the blood constriction was stopping your legs from kicking? Is that what happened? Right. Come on, Matt. I've, I've bought some speedos since then. Have you? Have you? Yes, that's it. Right? Yeah. What one or two pairs? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think anybody wants to see me in speedos. I, I get the big, the big baggy sort of surfing shorts, and that will do me. the best. Yeah, as indeed. People may remember you from last time we spoke, but do you want to tell listeners that are maybe tuning in for the first time a little bit about yourself, your podcast, what you do, X, Y, and Z? Yeah, so um, our podcast is is a bit. Uh, difficult to explain so essentially uh, it's four old school friends and um, a friend of mine uh, Louise who have come together to uh, chat about um, basically life as an adult Um, and I think 
life as unprepared, unqualified, and very reluctant adults is probably a better way of looking at it. Um, so the kind of theme of our podcast is very much, you know, making sense of the world around us, but very much based in uh, a town where we all grew up together. So we don't live there anymore. Um, we, we all grew up in a little place in Somerset in the West Country of England called Taunton. Um, and Taunton is very much one of those places that people are brought up in and desperately try and leave. You know, it's, it's a sort of halfway house uh, between, um, you know, growing up and, and going off and doing your thing. Um, so it's proven to be quite a nice little muse for us, really, because it's kind of put us back in touch with our past. It's introduced us to some interesting guests recently, uh, and it's kind of helped us really talk about some difficult issues, but also have a lot of fun as well. Um, so it's predominantly comedy based, but yeah, some of the more serious discussions actually have been the ones that have been best received by our audience so it's been really fun so yeah that we, we were up to you know we've, we've been doing well and we've, we're up to episode 16 now with uh, quite a few in the pipeline so yeah it's been good yeah man uh obviously i'm doing this interview type podcast and i asked you to pick a topic basically and you threw something at me that i really was looking forward to speaking about because i've spoke about things like astrology the history of radio, which was really actually quite interesting, but you spoke to me and you said being brought up in the 90s and why that was the best, and being, I'm 36, I think you might be a little bit older, Matt. Yeah, I'm 42, yeah. Yeah, but basically my childhood was from 90 to 2000, basically, that's when I was brought up, went to primary school. Primary one in Scotland, year one in most other places at five years old, all the way through to 15. So that was my whole childhood, basically, was the 90s. So I couldn't agree more with what you were saying here. You were born in 79, so a chunk of your life would have been brought up sort of mid-late 80s. So why didn't you pick the 80s? Why was the 90s better? I think, I like. I just think, if you think about the 80s, it was a like a real hodgepodge of things, wasn't it? It was like, you know, there was music that all kind of blends into one. There's a few standout bands. Uh, fashion was just an absolute disaster, wasn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, some of the 90s stuff was pretty bad, but, you know, the 80s, you've got polyester and shoulder pads being you know, high fashion. Um, you also got this cultural kind of vacuum of mass consumerism sort of driven by by Thatcher and all that kind of stuff. That's all set alongside, you know, the Cold War that was, you know, was pretty pretty nasty at the time. You know, England were rubbish at cricket, terrible at football. Um, really nothing much happened in the 80s apart from, you know, the Falklands War or something like that that, 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 that represent cultural reference points. Um, so, you know, when you're brought up in the, in, 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 you know, and I don't have any memories of the 80s particularly other than, my dad having a horrendous car. Um, that's all I can really remember from that period of my life. So when you move into the 90s, that's when two things happen. You know, you've got a massive cultural shift. You've got a sense of you know general optimism in wider society. Um, and then personally, I'm coming of age. So I hit, you know, if you think I hit you know, 15, 16 when I started to, 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 to figure out what, what, girls are, what girls' purpose in life really was, um, then you've got... Um, you know, you can start going to pubs, you can start to drive a car. All of this is happening alongside, you know, Radiohead playing at Glastonbury, Oasis, you know, releasing definitely maybe in 1994. You're the fall of the Berlin Wall. 
you know, you've got decline of the Thatcher government and uh, you know this this massive groundswell of political optimism from from uh, the you know, Blair's government at the time. Um, you know, so it was a pretty cool decade. And I think on top of all of that, you've also got the fact that there's not a great deal of um, of records left of that time. Yeah. So, you know, looking at 2000 and onwards, that's when we started to see like camera phones coming in and the internet and email and all this sort of stuff. So people just started to become a little bit more uh, aware of um, the image and a bit more aware of the wider world, a bit more kind of prone to capturing things going on around them. But in the nineties, like nobody gave a fuck, <laughs> you know, literally it's all about like experiencing the world around you, like music parties, you know, people getting together with people to do fun stuff. Um, things like the pubs were suddenly starting to turn into like night venues. Like if you think about it, you know, if you went to a pub in 1980, 85, you know, these, these places were pretty, pretty grossy. Yeah. They're like stained carpets, kind of two, two beers, one of which was mild, whatever the fuck that is. Um, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you, you could get, you get two, two, you know, two spirits. One of which was Tesco Valley vodka, um, and the other one was Bell's whiskey. Um, and the, the jukebox, you know, if it if it works at all, only played I don't know, um, Culture Club or something. And then in the nineties, things like Yates's Wine Lodge suddenly appeared. And I'm not advocating that place, by the way. It's a it's a terrible terrible oh, place, a but yes. absolute <laughs> shit hole. But if you think about it, before then, nobody went to a pub to stay out late dance you know listen to live music particularly you know it, they, pubs were very male oriented in the 80s and whereas in the 90s it, they became more you know cosmopolitan um and also this this idea of having you know night venues as being um somewhere like exciting became a thing um nightclubs no were no longer these dirty dingy hell holes where you know, you, you you generally catch syphilis uh, if you didn't get arrested. Um, in the nineties, like I remember walking into a nightclub in the nineties, and there was five different rooms, all themed. You know, you could go into one had country and western music playing, and then one had pop music playing, one had eighties music playing, one had indie music playing. You know, these places were just incredible when you're at that age where you're suddenly enjoying your social life. You know, um, and this was all new. This didn't happen before. So when you get into 2000, you know, into noughties, 2010 and, and onwards, all this had been refined and commercialized and, and homogenized a little bit. So it was no longer new, no longer fresh. Whereas we had it right at the front, right at the start. All of that was new to us. Yeah, I can't, <clears throat> I can't really agree more. Although, obviously, being that little bit younger, I had the, the 90s as a, a school child, went to school, big change in your life. But come the end of the 90s, all the stuff that you're sort of saying, you should get into pubs when you were 14. Like, I've, like, I know we were having a conversation before we came on and you sort of thought I was um, a little bit older than I was and that, that's been a common theme throughout my life. I took my growth spurt when I was 12 or 13, so I was always taller kind of started to get a little bit of stubble by the time I was 14, so I could go to the pub, I could go to the off-license and get a drink at uh, 98, 99, you know, like 14, 15 yeah. years of age. Not a great, not a great thing, long-term, but at that time, things were different. You, 
you sort of spoke about the culture, the music. That's never going to happen again. Let's be honest. Especially Oasis, like everybody I speak to that's our age, that, that year, that 94, 95 was Oasis. My Oasis v Blur. I wasn't a massive Oasis fan, I wasn't a massive Blur fan, I was kind of more into um, kind of shitty dance music at that time, when I was even 9 or 10. Bonkers, do you remember Again, that? Yeah, but remember that, but even the yeah. It was different. But even the shitty dance, even that the kind of house music scene was so fresh in the nineties, wasn't it? It was so it was so euphoric and so upbeat and uh joyful. You know, you you walk into a club and you'd have like it sounds cliche now, but like Robert Miles would come on and people would go absolutely yeah. nuts, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, like music, you know, I went to university in nineteen ninety seven. I went to University of Warwick in ninety seven and um Get this right. So uh, for our freshers' ball, so if, yeah, the first, the first. Um, sorry, my was sort of kicking off away. Um, yeah, the freshers' ball. So nineteen oh seven, freshers' ball, first um, big night out uh, um, in my first year at university. We had Stereophonics playing. We had Catatonia playing. These be- went on to become massive, massive bands. Um, Catatonia, you know, those, yeah, they, they played. There we are. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's the one. Um, yeah, we had Super Fairy Animals. Uh, we played at Warwick as well around the same time. Uh, we had some of these bands that were just absolutely amazing, even then, and have stood the test of time. Fast forward a couple of years, in, in, you know, when I went into the into, into my final year in, in two thousand one, we had Daphne and Celeste. That's the difference. <laughs> You're ugly. Between yeah, <laughs> that's that the difference between two thousand one. <laughs> And 1997, Seraphonics versus Daphne and Celeste. And I'll tell you how bad Daphne and Celeste were. They were bottled off the stage by, um, yeah, they were bottled off the stage by the undergraduates. It was that bad. See, I've heard that about Daphne and Celeste wherever they went, almost. (laughs) Honestly, I think that they might have ended up on one of the minor stages at Reading and Leeds one year, sort of early on, like back then, and there's all these metalheads, like Motorhead fans, eight, like, and Daphne and Celeste are up on the stage trying to sound ugly, and yeah, people were just, I'm not advocating throwing paint tumblers at two young girls on stage, but no. when you're there for a mosh pit, you want to drink all the Jack Daniels, all the lager, and then that sort of t- that sort of turns up. I can see why you would maybe be a little bit pissed off. I felt sorry for them, to be honest. I felt sorry for them. I felt sorry for them. They're put in that position in the first place, and I felt sorry for them that somebody had written them a song that will go down in infamy as one of the worst ever written. But who was their manager? Who was their tour agent? Like, why would they have purposely booked Daphne and Celeste into? Student no. unions for a start, and I if, no I'm, idea. if I'm getting it right, I'm pretty sure it was like a Reading or a Leeds. Just yeah, yeah, could be really, really, really bad go. from from their their management team. Have you got a favourite joke? About you know the or of all the questions, like- of all the questions you asked me, that was the one I found the most hard because I cannot remember jokes. I'm just one of these people that I can. I can talk, you know, reasonably humorously about most subjects, but 
ask me to tell a joke, no chance. So the only one I can remember. See, when I was a kid, I always liked jokes that were a, a bit absurd. Um, so probably my, my favorite joke, going back to then, it's a very simple one. It's so a skeleton walks into a bar. He walks up to the barman and said, Hi, mate, uh, could I have a pint of lager, please? And a mop. And that's <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. Simple. Oh, effective. Those, um, those type of jokes were probably my favourite growing up as well. Things like, um, what's green and if it falls out a tree will cause you pain. That's the, that's the joke I was going to say. It was either that one or the, or the skeleton one. That's the yeah, other one I was going to tell you. That's really funny. What's white and blue and if it falls out a tree it will hurt you? A fridge wearing a denim jacket. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, those absolute farcical jokes back then were... They're all the rage. You still remember them. Did you ever have the sort of, like, in Scotland we would have the, the Pat and Mick jokes? Like, Taking the piss out of the Irish back then for being stupid. Oh yeah, yeah. Englishman, Irishman in Scotland. Yeah, Scotsman went into a bar. Those ones. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't remember any now, but they they could be quite funny. They'd be like Pat and Mick throwing stones at the ground, and Pat missed, like things like that. No, this maybe that was more. I live in Glasgow, right? And let's be honest, there is a bit of a a vibe at times. Between the Catholics and the Protestants, let's be honest, there is, there is still a little bit of tension. It goes back not, a few years. Yeah, but it's not as bad as it was over in, like, obviously, fucking during the Troubles um, over the war. So um, we could maybe get away with jokes like that, but I suppose you wouldn't you, you wouldn't see them in mixed company, basically. But we will we will move on. What do you think, everybody? listening either thinks or knows about the 90s what would be like the the top three things about the 90s that pop into somebody's mind when they think about that decade yeah I mean music's going to be top of the list hasn't it I think the pop era is second only probably to the 60s for its quality and specifically British music as well Um, you think about the 60s a lot of those bands were we're American, um, and so on. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's it, isn't it? When you you know those of you those of us that were fortunate enough to see bands like Oasis for the first time live, um, it was an, an experience that you'll never be able to repeat. You know, I think that's top of the list. So second for me, it's probably something like uh, fashion. I would say because I think nineties fashion had two ends to it didn't it? it had the kind of tail end of the 80s and it then and it had that sort of slacker casual thing going on didn't it a little bit um uh and but and then it kind of and it also became a bit more um international i suppose so what would what, so the shell suit is what i'm thinking of specifically so the shell suit from memory was a 90s monstrosity um and, and you know whilst i never had one myself um my sisters did, and they would, everybody wanted a shell suit. They were like the, the coolest thing, thing in the whole world, um, and they were sort of, you know, advanced science in the in the actual materials, um, and just looked like absolute shit. And yet somehow they became, they became <laughs> really popular. You know, Again, like, I don't know if this is um, Glasgow specific, but there was things like Nafco Fifty Four. 
Ah, uh, yes, I remember. Yeah. Naf Naf. That was pretty yes. 90s as far as I can That was very 90s. Yeah, it definitely yeah. was. Yeah. Um, and I think things like Converse is very, it always feels very 90s. That sort of skater, skater cool thing, you know. Um, I would have missed that. I, I would have yeah. been too young to be into yeah. grunge music as a, yeah. nobody liked Nirvana when they were six yeah. or seven. Like, you know, no. But as you got to maybe 13, 14, there was the Converse, there was the, the stitched in badges that people would put in there. Yeah. The Dr. Martins, of course, like, you know, the, 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 you know, the sort of ankle, ankle high Dr. Martin boots that some of my 90s friends have still got them today. They still, they're still fit. They're still in reasonably good condition after all this time. It's amazing. Um, you know, I had to see those on people. But that, oh, I can't remember the term. But it's when something is made to break, like yeah, you know, obsolescence. Yeah, obsolescence. Doc Martens were not made to break. Like people, I reckon you would break for thirty years. Doctor, yeah, I reckon you would break before the Doctor Martens. I reckon in in like a million years they'll you know there'll be archaeologists <laughs> coming from the planets and they'll just find these Doctor Martens in you know in where bodies used to be. That's all that'll be left. Just pairs of Doctor Martens. And another thing that again might be Glasgow specific during the nineties was people wearing hats, like skip caps, but spending a lot of money on them. Like you would get the, the fancy designs, this sort of they would call them slasher or broken glass and they would wear it up on their head rather than like that I must be remember a that. Thing. No, yeah. it, where I'm from there was a certain nineties haircut. That, that was all the rage. It was a sort of, yeah, you know, we used to call it the curtains. So the lads would have these curtains haircuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, they weren't really haircuts. They were just not haircuts, basically. Um, and everybody had those, you know. Um, I, I didn't personally because my, my dad was uh, a bit not so keen on that kind of look at the time. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the thing. And also with the girls, like everyone had the Jennifer Aniston, you know, because obviously Friends was massive. So that kind of layered kind of slightly scruffy hair thing was uh, was the big look for the girls. Which is a good thing, by the way. Yeah, I also remember girls having this sort of, again, this might be really Glasgow specific, the jackets that were NASA, but it wasn't the space agency. It was nice and safe attitude. Yeah, nope. that's the Glasgow Again, thing. Yeah, that's the yeah. Glasgow thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's where, where I'm from. It was probably denim jackets. Yeah, den- yeah, denim jackets usually with badges. So badges were really popular. So you'd have particularly things like the band the bomb, you know, peace, uh, sign and peace signs, and um, you know things like um, Che Guevara posters in in your room. That was that was very popular. Everyone had a Che Guevara poster, and everyone had a. Um, what else was the other? Yeah, there's a particular poster as well of a tennis player, female with tennis arse player, with her arse out. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, yeah, I didn't have that one myself actually, but yeah. No, and again, like Nirvana was big. Yeah, I did the the black and white poster with two girls lying kissing. It. I had that. No, uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would go a, to HMP. Yeah, in in, in where we were from, there's it's, it's a shop called Athena. The, the where you got the posters from. Um, and, and yeah, like everyone the big, had... Like the big... 
I don't know how to describe it. Almost like it. folders, giant perspex a folders. Big massive perspex yeah. folder, basically, Matt. Yeah, yeah definitely. And you go and you flick through. But you could definitely tell somebody's sort of tastes and things like musical tastes just by looking at the posts on their walls. So like, people, like another really famous one was the the acid smiley face. Do you remember that yeah. big yellow, yellow face, acid yeah. smiley face? So they had that on their wall. You knew they were into house music. You know, they went out on a night out and only drank bottled water, you know. Um, whereas if you had a, a poster of, you know, Nirvana on your wall, for example, you probably also had some Dr. Martins and you almost certainly knew who the Smashing Pumpkins were, you know. Um, so it's very, it's like, like very individual, um, the, 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 the kind of the taste and the styles, but they were also part of a wider tribe, um, which I thought was quite interesting. Well, that's it, Matt. Like, I, I think a lot of the looking back to being young, you want to be different, but not so different that you don't fit into. We would have called them the moshers, goths, rockers, neds, blah, blah, blah. And there was a, a certain group of people and you kind of slipped in there, tried to be a little bit different. You would maybe buy baggy jeans and a, a funny skip hat and have the, the chain to connect Oh, yeah, the, the, the chain, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Accessory <laughs> baggy jeans, yeah, I remember that, crikey. That was like a skater look. And sometimes you'd, you'd, people would blend the, the sort of skater trousers or pants with with like a base, with a basketball top on on top of that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Maybe maybe a wristband and maybe a headband to go with it. So you kind of look like you look like Tony Hawk had been you know cut in half and sewn onto the body of I don't know Dennis Rodman or something like that. You know, it's a very strange look. Yeah. Oh man, that rings a bell a hundred percent. Yeah. Like sort of like rock rap oh, I don't know how you would mm. term it like this is probably yeah. more into the 2000s to be fair rather than the sort of the not sort at of all though if you think about it like rap music so like the rap music prior to the 90s was much more R&B based it was much you know so so the big godfathers of, of, of rap at the time were NWA you know but they were immensely popular um, very controversial at the time and they exploded onto scene in, in early 90s from memory um before that there wasn't anything like it you know so that that spawned dr dre tupac uh biggie small and all those guys and that came over the atlantic followed you know quite soon after by eminem who um who was i think late late 90s as well so you know there was sort of yeah i mean if you think about it, it on, on all genres of music there was this seismic shift from fairly safe fairly you know um image-based, heavily produced music into something much rawer and something much more visceral, I suppose. Um, and that's that really did light a fire under myself and my generation, 100%. And it's only, you know, since then, there's been nothing like it. You know, if you listen to music of today, it's also safe. You know, I can't think of a band that that, that made me kind of, wake up and take notice for a long time yeah like music at isn't particularly my thing in inverted commas i was like i said i was into sort of happy hardcore as a youngster kind of got a bit grungy like new metal so i was into really shitty bands like corn uh limp biscuit shot of that for a while metallica for a wee bit slayer for about a month and then <laughs> What a month it was, Jack. What a month. Yeah, what a month. <laughs> so I came out that all covered in blood thinking, oh, fuck. Mm. 
got into sort of dance music and in inverted commas, but there are two bands that I kind of still listen to now, and both of them are formed. Diant Mob are a South African Zef rap band that I listen to with Ninja and Yolande and Little Big are a Russian troop that were the yeah. <laughs> they were meant to be the Eurovision entry for Russia last year but it got cancelled and then they suddenly blew up and yeah I kind of like listening to music like but I don't really understand. I don't understand what they're saying because one is rapping in South African or Zef, and the other one's singing in Russian. So I, I don't know what that says about me uh, as a person. But I would rather listen to that now than anything that you would hear in the radio, basically. No, it's, it's it's tough, isn't it? Every now and again, you know, the old song comes on. I think that's pretty decent, but nothing. You like yeah, actually. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I'll have to have a listen, but yeah, nothing. Nothing quite looks like uh, nothing comes close to the experience of hearing, um, I don't know, rock and roll star for the first time. Like, you know, it was just an experience like no other because it wasn't just about the the actual lyrics and the tune. It was about the attitude it was sung with. That you know that that you know, that sort of don't give a fuck. You know, you know attitude that genuinely just want to ex- enjoy life thing it was it was it was mega it left a massive impression on on, on my generation yeah, but again but that was like we, we might be being very nostalgic here and that's why we're here to speak about the 90s mm. but, but we're kind of looking back like, you could only listen to four or five bands because yes your friend didn't have if you didn't have the tape yeah you would have to borrow it from your friend. You couldn't yes. just... I'm going to sound like an old man shouting at the clouds here. You couldn't just go on the internet and click on Spotify, linked artists no. and things. It was literally like, uh, Jim's got Oasis. You can borrow that. Give it back tomorrow, basically. And that was it. And you had to go yeah. home and listen to that and tune in. And that's why... Like we said earlier on, there'll, there'll never be a sort of phenom like that, a cultural phenom. There's there's never never going to be a band that sell out Nebworth. No, but, never. No. And they could have sold out a fortnight. And Easily. Sold, Easily. Yeah, they could have. And they've done, yeah. they, they done three nights. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You asked me three things. The third thing, this is this is a bit interesting. So one thing I think was really, really great about that decade for me, and it would have been relevant to, to the, you know, to the eighties and seventies as well, but in a slightly different way. Cause I think as we discussed the kind of pub and club and party scene was very much a nineties thing. Um, the, the lack of mobile phones was really big. So I got my first mobile phone when I was in, in the year 2000. Um, and I remember sp- working out how to text and it just being, the most amazing thing you know my a friend had a mobile phone you know somewhere the other side of coventry where it was at the time and i got this message on my phone i was like oh my god and i could hit reply and send it back and every time i did that it cost me 10 pence do you know what i mean um and you had and, to add that to your package right you had yes. to buy text messages absolutely yeah and i had this phone you know the size of a pint glass um that it had at best 20 minutes of battery life in it um and like it, it seemed pointless this thing right it was kind of useful for um, keeping in touch with people and telling people where I was and stuff. Beyond that, I couldn't really see the point of it, right? 
and you know until this this text message thing thing started. But going back, at, you know, into the nineties, there we were in this in these pubs and clubs and, and getting out some mischief. Let's be honest. No, there's no evidence, right? <laughs> there's no nobody's taking a picture with a camera phone of you with your tongue down some girl's throat. Nobody's taking a picture of you vomiting, you know, in a, in a, in a bus shelter. Do you know what I mean? And, and so we didn't have that self consciousness. Yeah, I'm, I went out with some um, with a rugby team that I was coaching uh, a couple of years ago, and they're all, you know, the majority of them are in their, you know, late teens, early twenties, something like that. Sat around a table. Um, not one of them talking to to each other. They're not talking to each other. They're head down on their phones. And in some situations, they're actually texting each other sat across the table. And the whole topic of conversation was, no, you know, look at this Instagram picture. No, look at this Snapchat, right? Like, not living in the moment at all. Like, everything was... And also, everything's very stage managed. Everything's very false and, if you like, um, very uh, choreographed, right? Didn't have that in the 90s. None, none of it, right? Nobody, nobody had to worry about there being, you know, pictures taken that they didn't want, they want, didn't want to take in. Nobody worried about, you know, things being put on Facebook they didn't want to, to put there and stuff. Nobody was cult- cultivating some kind of image. We were just being, you know. Um, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I miss that, to be honest. <clears throat> I kind of feel sorry for, again, old man here, but I kind of feel sorry for teenagers nowadays having to be so self-conscious about how they look, what they what they say, cyberbullying, all that sort of like really vile stuff that I didn't have to deal with. You know, I, I get my first phone when I probably around about two thousand, two thousand one as well, fifteen, sixteen, it was a Siemens. And again you could text and maybe being a little bit younger than yourself, Matt, it was it was it was really cool that you could do that. Like, yeah, oh my god, you could play Snake and that was like like I, I knew a guy that could complete Snake. Like oh. you, you could complete that. You could fill up a goal against team. men. Could you? Yeah. <laughs> you How could, is that even uh, possible? Well, he knew, you would eventually you would go round the square and you would turn back and up and down, up and down, and you would eventually complete it. And I think oh, the God. score was something like two thousand three hundred points. So I knew one guy that could do that, and he was wow. kind of like, like, look how cool that guy is <laughs> that he can complete snake. So yeah. Yeah, looking back, I'm a much more innocent time. And talking about living through your phone. If we're at a gig, I've got a friend who, well, he might be being a bit of a dickhead, let's be honest, but if, see if somebody pulls their phone out and starts recording, he just shouts behind them, you will never watch this again. Because they won't. No. And it's just not living in the, moment. the most bizarre thing that you're looking at your, your phone screen and it's actually fucking happening in front of you. It just, yeah. It's crazy. Something crazy. Really going about technology, though, right? So you know, you probably more so than me actually, because I was probably slightly ahead of the kind of gaming generation. Um, I got sort of to adulthood before it was really a thing, but the leaps in technology were massive, weren't they? So if you imagine, like the very first video game I ever played was bat and ball on some kind of Atari thing, and then we went into Game Boy, right? So Game Boy playing Super Mario, which was like game-changing incredible stuff and then you then they had this you know the, the, the sega mega drive and um you know the super nintendo we suddenly got color screens and we suddenly got um cartridges that you could put in out of the consoles and then remember they went from that to sort of dreamcast and then to playstation one where you're putting cds in and all of a sudden the graphics were ne- well nearly three-dimensional and each step change was vast right 
But if you look now from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5, it takes it takes a very trained eye to see the difference. It really does. Yeah, yeah. I think you probably need a £5,000 telly as well to notice right, the difference. Completely, completely. But, you know, in the space of just two or three years, you went from game first ever Game Boy to Super Nintendo. And, and they're just so far apart technologically. But it's only yeah. in a couple of couple of years. So I think now, in two to three years, where will the technology be from where it is today? No, probably no, only one or two steps further on than it is now. And it really won't change our lives. You know, I don't think. I, I, can't, I, I've kind of said this to people before. Like, it's got to that stage where you're playing FIFA. I don't play myself, but you're, you're looking, you're playing it. It's, it is what it is. But it hasn't changed in four or five years. No. And until you get to the point where it literally looks like you're controlling real life. How big a jump can it get to? No. Because I, I've been, um, I'm not going to plead poverty here, but like we, we never had a lot of money growing up. I was always two or three years behind everybody. So I got the, the PlayStation two or three years after everybody. I wasn't, I didn't go on the internet until I was like, like 16, which was like, again, two or three years behind sort of everybody. But, I've got a friend who's very much into gaming. That's his, like, he loves gaming. And we were speaking about the, the, the PS5, and he went, don't buy a PS5, buy a new PS4, like a brand yeah, new yeah, PS4 yeah. Pro, because yeah, yeah. there's literally no difference. Yeah, Basically, and also saying, it's, at the very, it's, it, it's, it's the kind of, the very best that the PS4 will ever be, whereas right now the PS5 is the very worst <clears throat> it'll ever be. Well, that's it, because when, uh, like, I, I still play playstation 4 every now and again but mm. you will go in and you like i play the assassin's creed games i quite like oh, them. Yeah, so yeah, the newest games, one yeah. was valhalla yeah brilliant when you download it there's a warning saying this won't work as good on the ps5 and you're really? still paying 80 quid for it yeah like, uh, there's a big asterisk there matt that says some features won't work on the ps5 because it's not yeah. made for the ps5 there's bugs no. there's there's all sorts of shit there that i suppose as a as a layman, you don't you don't know about coding mm. or anything like that. But the bugs are there, and it makes the game that you're playing worse. So yeah, yeah just get the PS4 Pro. I'm not going. To, I'm still not going to do that. Like I've got my, my PS4 sitting beside me. It freezes X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't. I don't play online or mm. anything like that. So it doesn't have a massive impact on mm. my. My enjoyment of playing games, basically. So, yeah, that's about it. Mm. Right, we'll move on to some of these, some of these yeah. questions that um, might be Glasgow specific. They might not be, but we will see as we um, bounce through them. At my primary school, there was killer clowns kicking about. They were kidnapping children. Anything like that at your school? You see, I think there was always a bogeyman, wasn't there? You know, when I was growing up, it was when the the, the first incarnation of the film It came out. You know, Tim Tim Curry was the was it. Um, so that yeah, that kind of featured in a few in a few sort of urban legends. But where where I went to school, it was actually quite a real threat. So I went to um, <laughs> private school. Yeah, I know. So I went to a private school. So um, you know, in 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 some sense, place called Taunton. So. Um, Taunton's a funny old place because it's 
it's got two sides to it, really. Um, there's a mil- like three sides. There's a military side to it. There's a, there's a big barracks down the road. Um, it's got that you know wealthy business owner thing going on, um, and also within that the kind of country wealth as well. So you've got like farmers and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then you've got quite a deprived, you know, fairly sort of poor working class population. Um, so the, in Taunton itself, there are three big independent schools. There's more, there was a school I went to called Taunton School. There's King's College, Queen's College. There's another one out of the way called Wellington that we, we try not to talk about. Um, and the, these schools were kind of in a triangle around the, the town itself, right? Um, and we weren't allowed to go um, into town a certain way. and we said, um, um, But we also had to wear our uniforms. So there's this place called Chip Lane, right? So Chip Lane was this alleyway that was a nice cut through from my school to the town. But it was also dark and nasty. And that's that was our version of the Killer Clowns was Chip Lane. Because there, there was all these spook stories about people being jumped by the local riffraff, you know. Um, so that's what used to keep, uh, keep the, the, that was always the story for us. It was people got chased down Chip Lane by these kids. There was this, you know, there was this guy that was it was massive and used to, you know, beat up anybody wearing a blazer and all this sort of stuff. So we didn't really have this kind of fictional um, killer clown going around, but we did have this this constant <laughs> anxiety about being set upon by. You know the, the kids from the the, the local estate, um, which did happen. In fact, we used to. There was actually a case where somebody did get to get beaten up once. So we all went on mass um, down Chip Lane on this sort of hunting expedition to find the culprits, and of course found nobody apart from a couple of old deers minding their own business, feeding the ducks or something. So <laughs> you know, uh, it was one of them where you know Chip Lane. If you're on your own, is it was so narrow and nasty and dark. Um, you know, there's like big walls either side of it like a corridor almost but quite a long one down down through this housing estate um if you're on your own or just for a couple of you it we used to run um because it was felt pretty scary so that was our version of it yeah so it was a, an actual threat to maybe not a threat to life but um, <laughs> if you if you walk down that at the wrong time the big man might have got you Indeed. Although there were there was actually some killer clowns knocking around recently, wasn't there? Was it last year, year before? There was some there was some kids going around in like wearing these kind of clown masks and appearing in people's windows and stuff. It it was kind of funny, but also not. Yeah, I don't. But I, I don't think they were actually killing anybody. But yeah, they would they would just be standing at the end of the yeah. street. And I've lost all sense of time. That might have been a year ago, or it might have been five years ago. <laughs> in my mind i don't know yeah, yeah. that's what coronavirus does to you yeah, yeah not, that's what it is you know we've yeah yesterday could well have been two years ago you can't, yeah, can't taste anything yeah <laughs> down the drugs <laughs> not, let's not go there yeah <laughs> again being a little bit younger than you i used to really enjoy getting a rubber that you would um to rub out pencil getting a compass and then just stabbing a big hole in it was that something that you you ever done as a child do you know what yeah and the bigger the rubber the more satisfying yeah. and there was a particular type of rubber wasn't there there was some that, that kind of had a i think yes that, that's the one <laughs> yeah. there was another version that, that had like a almost a matte surface and it didn't anywhere near have the same effect uh, enjoyment <laughs> of stabbing it did it i think the Stadler one had like a, a, a slight film on top of it that that kind of made a nice satisfying kind of noise stroke feel when you stabbed it you know i, I definitely i definitely remember that and it kind of came in a little blue cardboard 
box cover. Yeah. Thing. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Although yeah. I, I tell you what I used to do, um, although it used to also um, cause me problems is I used to take the, the blades out of the pencil sharpeners. Remember the little aluminium silver pencil sharpeners and you take the blade out of that and you could use that to then Slash people away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you you're from Glasgow, crikey, where I was from. We just we just whittled sticks, you know. <laughs> you know, I didn't go and like, gut anybody, you know, given the Glasgow kiss or whatever it was. There's <laughs> none of that. That's my, that's just the first thing that came to my head. Yeah, like, why yeah. else would you take the blade? I know out of a pencil sharpener yeah. unless you were going to go slash something. I just well, you know I just like playing with it. Yeah, yeah. but I, I also cut myself several times, so I had to stop doing that. Yeah, I remember putting my pinky in a pencil sharpener and sharpening my whole nail off when I was about five or six. I did that as well. Yeah, yeah. you've you got to be careful. You cut it too short, then you've got problems, haven't you? Yeah, but I think I was trying to show off as a, yeah. as a child and yeah. my whole nail came off and I started crying, obviously, because I was only yeah. five, five or six. When I was in my, in my late teens, I thought I was going to be, I, was, I, thought, I thought I was cool. My dad had a, a whiskey bottle uh, case, like, an, like a, 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 a metal um, tube that a bottle of whiskey came in, like a Glenmorangie bottle or something. And I, I thought I'd make a cool pencil case. So I had this huge, great tin <laughs> to, yeah, to put my pencils and, and stuff in. And it was kind of annoying. It used to rattle around a lot. It was kind of big. Um, and we, had, we went through this phase at school of constantly like, sabotaging each other in some way. Um, I'll never forget this pencil case used to hold a fair amount of stuff. And I remember getting to class once, went to get a pen out, and instead of a pen, I had uh, a, a salt pot, a pepper pot, a pair of this guy James's pants. Um, <laughs> what size is this pencil case? <laughs> it was massive. It was the size of a whiskey bottle. A bloody great whiskey bottle, honestly. And then the, the clowns had taken all of the the ink refills out of all of my pens, so I just had these empty pens and all this detritus all over my desk. So you know that that, that I had to throw that one away after that. Yeah, I do remember turning people's bags inside out and zipping it up, and it was <laughs> all, almost impossible to unzip it. Yeah, again, that was probably just bullying. Uh, looking yeah. back on it, man, that it was. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that's not fair. Fine line between bullying and practical jokes, I think. Yeah, we had this conversation before we started about drawing things in primary school, school, and I said to you. Do you remember the really cool S that you could draw that had the six lines and you'd never seen that before? I know for a fact there's people listening from Glasgow that know exactly what I'm talking about just now. But then you showed me the 25 that turns into a dog. So is this was this a common thing that people would just draw numbers, draw lines and turn it into something else? I think it probably just comes from sitting in classrooms listening to teachers droning on doesn't it and the more imaginative and creative amongst us would daydream and doodle and draw so the two things we used to do is yeah draw little pictures that hence where the 25 dog came from um but we'd also doctor the textbooks that we had so by changing some of the words you could make things sound rude so you can have a geography textbook and you know take out i don't know 
the word tectonic plate and replace it with tits or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty simple it, stuff. Yeah. yeah, pretty simple, basic stuff. And it would turn an, an innocuous, boring sentence into something quite stupid. <laughs> so, so that was sort of our, our thing, really, a little bit. Um, and also, yeah, like, you know, the age-old the age-old game of just drawing dicks on stuff. You know, there's yes, nothing, cock and nothing, yeah. There's nothing funnier than drawing a massive dick on somebody's, you know, brand new textbook. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just the most irritating thing, but also funny. Um, so yeah, and I'm glad that continues to this day. Actually, I think kids are still doing this today. It's a, it's an important rite of passage, I think. And the yeah. bigger the dick, the the, the more amusing it is. <laughs> well, I remember in English class we would have been reading something. It would have been Oliver Twister. At a point, and the teacher used to get you to read, read out parts. So you would sit with your eyes down, so that she didn't pick you. She didn't say, "Look, Jack, you're Oliver. Graham, you're Fagin, or whatever." But my friend next to me got picked as uh, Fagin one day. So we're sitting reading the book, and I just uh, write on the book. It's right at the part. Please, sir, can I get some more? So I just put a little comma there, and I say, "Write in the book." No, can you fuck you little cunt? <laughs> as he's reading that, the teacher walks over, obviously, looks in the book, and uh, we got det- uh, detention. We used to get that in school every now and again. So, one hour on a Friday, he had to stay until four o'clock for. I thought it was pretty funny. Like, I was just trying to make my friend laugh, but uh, Mrs. Blair, yeah. what's her name? She took Is that it? as a personal but, insult to yeah. Dickens, I can see why. I, I, I can see why, yeah. At my school, they were much more creative with punishments, actually. So there was there was a detention that was fairly standard. But the staff did have license to sentence you to some more creative and unusual punishments. Right, okay. Um, the, the worst one of the lot, actually, my, my friend Matt, who... Um, I can't remember what happened. I think he threw a cake at a teacher. I don't know why he did this, but I seem to remember there was a cake being <laughs> oh, thrown. All the memories are coming back, right? Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. And he was uh, in my in, in the dining room at my school. It was pretty big, and there was a little hatch where you take your tray and you put it put it in, and the the kitchen staff would then you know take your place and do all that. Uh, and Matt was sentenced to a week working in the kitchens in the little hatch, so the entire school would come and put that a plate through the hatch to, um, for Matt to clean up and give him some shit whilst he was at it. So he didn't throw any cakes after that, put it that way. Yeah, I remember another teacher giving uh, one of my friends 1,000 lines. Wow, like, total know, lines. Yeah, so he, I think it was 30 to a page. So he obviously went home and said to his mum, like, I can't write 1,000 lines. Like, you can't do it. And I, I still remember the mum sort of storming into the class one day, just having a... Like a basically a full blown argument with the teacher saying you cannot punish my son, you can't get him to write a thousand lines because his hand will fall off. It's cruel <laughs> and unusual, yeah. basically. Yeah, I might school that just a bit doubled. They just said, Right, yeah, do 2,000 lines then. <laughs> yeah, well, the best one I've ever heard is this, this guy I knew that went to school in Sedbert, which is in the on the other side of the like the where, the, where Yorkshire sort of joins up with the Lake District. And his school, behind the school, there was this huge, great uh, fell, big mountain, basically. On top of it was a trigonometry point. And they they were sentenced. They had to take a um, do a brass rubbing on the top of the trigonometry point on top of this mountain. And it was like, it, you know, there was just no way of doing it. So you know, you just, there's no way of cheating. You just had to go out this this fell. And it was bloody miles and really painful. So my, my friend, um, Phil, he's quite quite a sort of innovative guy. He broke into this it's a teacher's cupboard and got 
loads and loads of these. They had to be done on a particular paper. It was like tracing paper that you did brass rubbing on. And he went out one afternoon and just did like a 20 of these brass rubbings. And just anyone that got, any of these kids that got sentenced to this, he just used to sell them uh, a brass rubbing for a, for a tenner. So, <laughs> yeah, did, did well out of it. Yeah, it's pretty nasty punishment. An entrepreneur, yes. Yeah. I remember throwing about 80 slices of cheese, you know, like the, the plastic cheese you get, uh, over one of the teacher's cars. Again, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, well, we used to call him Mister Cheese Man, and I really don't know why. You know, you've got the you've got these things yeah. in your head, and he, yeah. the teacher, was Mister Cheese Man. So we covered his car in cheese, and again, <laughs> like, that's quite funny. <laughs> we would get it was like council punishment, so there would be like a like a punishment exercise, and would have like ten boxes on it, and the teacher would tick the boxes of the rules they, you broke, and then you would. Yeah. Uh, You'd have to take that home, get your mum to sign it, which you never did, obviously. You just no. scribbled <laughs> on it. But yeah, cheese man. <laughs> went, like to, went to the shop and bought lots of cheese. Like again, just being being an arsehole as a child. Basically. Uh, that, I like that though. I like that kind of stuff because even though it's kind of annoying to come back to your car covered in cheese, there's also. A little There's bit no of affection hu- in there. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not. You haven't. It's, it's, it's kind of affectionate in a weird kind of way, isn't it? You know. It's well, it had his own nickname. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, it is harmless. Like all he had to, to do was, yeah. like at take the time, the yeah, take the cheese off or go to the local car wash, which back then would have been like one fifty, and the guy would have washed it for you, and it would have been fine. But it was just uh, breaking rules was well against the rules, I suppose. Thinking back to a lack of technology, when you used to go to the toilet to you know, take a shit, let's be honest, would you just end up reading shampoo bottles, deodorant cans, things like that? Yes, in my house, the, the loo was separate to the bathroom, so there wasn't any shampoo in the in, in, in the toilet, unless my sister was washing her in the loo, which I suppose is possible. But no, so we used to have to read the air freshener can or the toilet duck or something. So it was a slightly more involved read, to be honest, than a shampoo bottle, you know. There's more on a toilet duck list of ingredients. Um, yeah. Some dangerous stuff on there. Yeah, because I seem to remember back in the day, you would read the cans and it would say on them CFCs or no CFCs. Yeah. I imagine nowadays that that's every can's got... No CFCs. I don't no. imagine that that is a a thing that they need to put on cans anymore because, well, no, we're living in a better society and we don't want to fucking set the world on fire. So, well, there's probably some daft like um, health and safety notice, you know, like like don't don't drink or something. Well, when it comes to health and safety notices, like the one that always gets me is when you buy a new pair of shoes, you get the little silica pack. Yeah, yeah, and it says do not eat in it. No, that that means that somebody ate it once. Yeah, least. it does. Yeah, I, I I love the fact it's on a packet of peanuts. It says "making say nuts." Yeah, making say like, nuts. I think I think I find most unusual about that is why they say "may contain nuts." Why don't you just put "contains nuts"? Of course, it's got fucking nuts in it. It's a bag of peanuts. May contain nuts. Just might read, have nuts. Might not. Read. Just read what it's called. Yeah. What are you buying, mate? Yeah, I'm buying a bag of nuts. Well, oh, yeah, but yeah, somebody bought a bag of nuts. Yeah, 
So that makes more sense, making Saints CFCs, because it might, it probably hasn't. There's a slight chance it might, right? It's just a hundred percent chance it's got nuts in it. It's like, you know. (laughs) Again, this might be a Glasgow thing, but talking about CFCs and uh, things like that, was buzzing aerosol or deodorant a thing that people used to do in your area because I know a lot of guys that used to get a poly bag and they would like spray deodorant into it and then like huff it. Like I don't know oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah, a thing. that was a casual thing. Yeah. No, it was more I remember it being the the marker pens. So people used to steal the marker pens off the teachers that the, the ones that had like the permanent markers in them. Yeah, that's the one. No they weren't permanent, no they were just dry dry board markers, but they had oh, right, a, okay. back in the day they had a um like a chemical in there that could get you a bit high. So people used to give it, get a bit of that. Yeah. Sniffing pens. We could always tell who did it because it had like a blue ring around it. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the most, it, wasn't, it was a pretty obvious crime to be honest. Just, you know, good And I, again, this might be a Glaswegian thing, but when we got given our workbooks or jotters, as we called them in Glasgow, we would take them home and your mum would wrap them in Artex wallpaper. Does that ring a bell to you at all? <laughs> it it's something I I do remember, but never never at my in my in my yeah um school. I, I, I have definitely seen that. Um no, with us it was um the the, the plastic film stuff, what's it called? Like um like a, a cellophane. And it was the biggest nightmare in the world to cover your books in this stuff because you take the back off it and it would automatically curl and then you get stuck to your hands and then you finally open it up and you put your book on it, but you put your book on a bit wonky and you had to couldn't get it off again. You took the plastic off the book and all the, and all the cover of the book would come off with it. And then you get like, you know, your hair stuck in it and there'd be an <laughs> air bubble in it. You know, then you cut it too small and then you cut it too big. And the whole thing was a fucking nightmare, frankly. And all it was doing was protecting your book from, I don't know, an accidental spillage. But only the outside. The inside was still very, Absolutely. you know, still wet. What was the point? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely no point in this. So on the whole, I, you know, just avoided it at all costs. We used to have, like, lever arch files. I remember that. They so, always broke. Like, they all, you could yeah, never they always get... Broke. Yeah. No, never, never quite get get them to work properly because you absolutely nightmare. Um, and also, it, it, after a while, especially the smaller ones, you know, they used to sort of spring shut. Do you remember? And they have little teeth in them. But after a while, they wouldn't quite shut all the way. So even though the gap was only tiny, you can one hundred percent guarantee that everything in your file would be strewn over the floor wherever you'd walked every time. There's always that piece of homework that was vital. There was a one that landed in the puddle and got trodden on, you know. And people like me, like, I gave many excuses when I'm doing my homework. And very occasionally, the excuse was real. And those that was one of those occasions, you know. Yeah, like, and if you got the punch, you would punch a paper. But if you misjudged it, it yeah. would, like, stick out the top by, like, half an inch. And you yeah. would just look like a bit of a dickhead. Yes. And you could buy the little, like... A
paper, you'd always miss just a little bit, wouldn't you? You wouldn't quite get it on the exact hole. But if you put it over the, the, the actual ring binder itself, <laughs> it would probably get stuck to the ring binder. Yeah, there there's something going wrong in the process nearer the beginning. Like yes. You need to sort that out first. But again, like when you did buy the already punched paper, when you try to rip it out, it would obviously fucking, the holes were just ripped and it was, yes, back in the day, paper was a, a massive pain in the arse, to be perfectly honest it was, with you. Definitely, definitely. I'm a little bit younger than you, Matt. I've said that a few times. I'm going to keep saying it. But, <laughs> like, games like Pop Up Pirate, do you remember all these sort of games, or was there an other game that you particularly remember from your youth? So, I remember Pop Up Pirate, absolutely. But I'm going to frame this in the 90s for you, right? So, in the in the nineties, this was around the time where commercial TV was starting to take off, right? So in the you know in the, in the early eighties, mid eighties, there was still only really you know two maybe three TV channels, wasn't there? Then when I got into the nineties, you had four, then five channels. Do you remember? So like advert, you know, TV adverts was quite was still quite a, a, a relatively new thing. So in other words, it weren't regulated. So when you were a kid and you watched. ITV, and you watch Super Ted or He-Man or whatever it was, um, the adverts, right, would show these toys, and they were the most fucking amazing toys you've ever seen, right? That rocket would actually take off. That laser would take somebody out 100 miles away, right? That car, th- those batteries would never run out. Everything was was massive. So you think, right, that's what I want for Christmas. I want Pop-Up Pirate. Pop-Up Pirate looks amazing. You know, get the whole family round, and you know, you poke the pirate in the barrel, and then <laughs> there's this huge explosion, and this pirate pops up a hundred meters in the air, you know, and there's like fireworks go off and all kinds of shit. And then, so you get that for Christmas, right? You think, oh, brilliant, family's coming around, play ball with a pirate, you get it out of its box, and it's and it's the size of an egg, this thing, you know, and you get these little, little swords, the size of cocktail sticks to poke in it. And when the pirate pops up, you know, it, it's like. <laughs> It's like yeah, a little put in a little pot. It's, it's it's like taking the bottle, the, the cap off a bottle of Budweiser, right? That's that's the sum total of the enjoyment you get from that pop up pirate. Yeah. So that's the issue I have with it, not the actual device itself. I'm sure you know, it, in in isolation, it's quite good, but because your expectations have been built up over some time through being bombarded with these adverts, you're expecting way more than you than you actually get. You know, I remember getting like some some um a team van, right? I was expecting this eighteen van to to to, to you know to actually you <laughs> to know, drive you to actually drive you. yeah I can get in this fucking thing it it takes <laughs> you know you have to put special petrol in it and all kinds you know it's actually got <laughs> machine guns but I can actually kill the neighbor's cat with it right reality is very very different so that's what I remember from the nineties now obviously these days they they're not allowed to do that anymore so the adverts are much more realistic compared to what to, you know so so the, what you get is more or less what you see on the adverts so that's what I remember from things like that. The, the thing with Pop-Up Pirate, even as a child, there was only one hole in the Pop-Up Pirate that made the pirate pop up. Like, it didn't change. So <laughs> even, like, even as a six-year-old, you put it in, like, that's the third one to the left in the middle. <laughs> you, you figured it out first time you played it. Like, yeah. right, okay, that's that. Done. Other games like Mousetrap, for example. Like what the, the hell was, was Mousetrap? Was it, it actually a game? No, I think the fun was setting up. Right. 
I, I just remember, remember it just take uh, like an hour to set up, and you know, you, you, it was like um, you put a marble in it, didn't it? And all these little things happened, processes happened, and then the the, the thing went down on top of the mouse. But was there actually a game to it, or was it just like this construction project? I think it was more that, to be perfectly honest with you, Matt. Yeah, it was just building it was fun. Yeah. Operation was another game that had the, the buzzing. Well, that was fun. I think that's still, yeah, there's a good drinking game with Operation, actually, you can play. Right, okay. Um, Tell me involves. about this. Yeah, so, you know, rather than every time you set the alarm off, you drink. <laughs> Do you uh, drink? <laughs> yeah, and every time you, you set the alarm off three times in a row, you, you down, you know, a shot. So you can imagine the more shots you down, the less steady your hand gets and the more dangerous the game becomes. So I got a bit of affection for Operation. It, it takes a steady hand, um, and you can definitely play it as an adult and spin it up that way. So I do Talk, remember that. Yeah, talking about drinking games, just before we wrap it up with my last question, did you have any specific sort of card games that you'd play? Like we played a game called Kings, where sort of every card would have a, a, a challenge or whatever, so ace through five, you would designate five drinks, six was miss a turn, eight was do this, Jack was tell a story, Queen was blah, 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 anything like that that you can remember? Not with cards, no. We, we, we played, there was, um, there was three drinking games. One's actually very 90s, actually, which uh, which we'll come to and say, but the one, the one we played all the time was a game called Wiz, um, which is hand signal, so you sit in a circle. Person starts, there's to my left or to my right, and then you say, Where's oh, give a particular hand yeah. signal? Right. If, if the person next to you says bang, it comes back to you. If somebody says, if, you, if somebody says boing, it misses the next person out. Um, and the idea is, is that you play it quickly and you, you know, the, the various faults mount up. But the great thing about that game is we became so good at it after having played, and I'll still play it today with my mates even now. Um, we got so good at it, we had to bring in all these extra rules. So we had things like no blaspheming, no swearing. No right hand drinking. Yeah, drink um, with your left hand was a big yeah, deal back in the day. One. Yeah, but we had to bring in the section. So the whole point was, if you would delay, if you delayed your hand signal, you were fined, right? So there's a guy that I know called Andy Woodgate, um, and he was the master of the partial delay. <laughs> right, so it wasn't quite a delay. So if you accused him of delaying, you would be called for false accusation, which made you drink. So we had to bring in a rule called no woodgating. So which was no partial <laughs> delays to cover up this ridiculous friend of mine that just couldn't keep up. Um, so that was one of them we played. It was great fun. You know, we still play that. So I've, I've seen many, many people, including myself, go downhill very quickly. Playing yeah, that. very, very. Um, that, yeah. Was, that was why you done it, was to get yeah. to get past really fast. Absolutely, yeah. And it's great fun, actually. Um, yeah. We did this, Have you ever done the Centurion? That was a famous one. So no, it's very simple. You drink a shot of beer every minute for a hundred minutes. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Never yeah. called it a centurion. We just called no. it the hundred shot challenge. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that was always a big one. And then the third one was a bit extreme, um, which was matching with Nell and I drink for drink it was pretty intense. So with Nell and I was a film that my generation absolutely love. Um, it's still a great film today. If you haven't seen it, get it on. It, it's amazing. It'll, it's very nostalgic and, yeah, really quite funny to watch. But the, the, basically, the whole film is just about two massive pissheads drinking. Um, to give you an idea, at one point, they, they go into a pub uh, and they have a pair of a, a quadruple gin and a pair of pints um, each. So you have to match them. And you imagine that? Yeah. 
Um, right, okay. there's, there's one bit right. where, <laughs> bear in mind, this doesn't actually happen. We we, had, we did substitute it for for vodka, but there's a bit where they 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 drink lighter fluid as well, but we didn't do that. Um, and then there's you know you drink red wine, you drink sherry. Nobody's ever got to the end, put it that way. Um, but yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> if a little dangerous, and kids listening, you know, don't don't do it. You know, it, it's it's stunt performed by trained professionals only. <laughs> yeah. I know my audience metrics. There's no children listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Philly boots. Get <laughs> yeah. involved. Fire in, yeah. Get that pet. So that's how you get just, on. Yeah. Yeah. Live yeah, stream send, it. <laughs> send us some pictures. Yeah. Uh, JackieQuitterThingMedia.com. You can send me that sort of stuff. <laughs> just to wrap it up, Matt, I ask yeah. everybody the same question because it's something that has confuzzled me a little bit. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? When I saw that question, Jack, I thought to myself, yeah, of course, if I can see a baby pigeon, but I couldn't remember a single occasion where I could genuinely identify a pigeon as a baby. So I can only assume one thing here: that pigeons don't leave the nest until they look like grown-up pigeons. So you know there will be baby pigeons. We just don't know they're baby pigeons, or they're just born fully formed. That's the other possibility, I suppose. Yeah, through the conversations I've had over the last couple of weeks. That's the sort of two main sort of schemes of thought is, yeah, they don't come out of the nest until they're fully grown or they're born fully-sized pigeons. But I did actually speak to somebody the other day and he had a picture of a... He used to live in Japan and he said that he found a dead baby pigeon lying on the side of the road and he showed me this picture of a just a dead, like, baby bird, basically. And I had to sort of say to him, surely you cannot prove that that is a pigeon. But he's pretty adamant that because he stayed in Japan, in the city, that it couldn't really be anything else. So there might be a train of thought that they're so unrecognisable as those little skinless, big-eyed, beaked things that even if you did see one, you wouldn't know. Well, maybe your understanding of the bird kingdom is not what we think it is. And actually, when we see a blackbird or a similarly common bird, it's not actually a blackbird at all. It's actually a baby pigeon. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, you know, like tadpoles become frogs, you know, maybe, maybe that's what happens. <laughs> now they go over a certain age and they you know, go into, into their nests and come out as pigeons. You know, that's possible, yeah. I suppose. I do have a strange, yeah. yeah. I had a very strange incident with the pigeon ones. Actually, I've got, I've got cats. Um, and um, they're forever bringing in dead things. It's driving me nuts. And yeah, there's this. I came, I came into the room I'm sat in now, um, just my spare room slash office. And I had this commotion of feathers everywhere. And there was this pigeon lying on its back with its feet in the air. Um, I kicked the cat out and thought, oh, God, a dead pigeon. So I got rid of the cat, thought, go, go and deal with the pigeon. I came back in, pigeon's still there lying on its back with its feet in the air. So I went to get a you know, like a carrier bag to put it in so I could put it out with the bins. Went to went to pick it up and it just got up as if nothing had happened and flew off. <laughs> it, I've oh. never seen like you know, I can understand why something might play dead for you know for a split second, but this thing had played dead for a good five, ten minutes, hadn't moved, and then just flew off a completely unscathed. It was the most weird is the most random thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Kinda of reminds me of a story again back in the day. 
my friend used to have this sort of nice conservatory we went in one day and it was a magpie and again it looked dead so my friend went to go pick it up it wasn't playing dead like he just seen it walked in and he just woke up and started flying about the conservatory and he ended up getting on like ended up using a sieve as a mask like getting the, the oven mitts on to try and get this magpie we don't know how to get in like that's because no. he didn't he didn't have cats or dogs so I don't know how it managed to get into his conservatory. Yeah. Yeah, you want to hear a really, you want to hear a really random um, bird story though. Actually, I'm going to plug my podcast while I, while I tell you the story. So in ep- episode five of my podcast, straight from the hot tap, the, the, the story's told. Um, but a friend of mine, Ollie, he's um, he's a keen fisherman. So he uh, used to regularly get up early in the morning and uh, go to fishing lake and, 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 and try his luck catching carp. Um, so this would be, you know, five, six in the morning, he'd be getting up and driving off to this place. So the, the place of this, this lake was, you know, it's quite a long country road and there's a bit where you go around a, a kind of sleep, sweeping bend and then off you go. Um, so he was driving nice, hot, sunny, sunny day, window open, cigarette on, um, radio on, you know, minding his own business. And as he went around this corner, he managed to hit the same trajectory as a buzzard coming to take it, some prey on the, by the side of the road. <laughs> right. So the buzzard went straight through his open car window into, <laughs> into his car. Can you imagine? Buzzards are big fucking birds. One minute he's driving along at 60, sing, you know, singing, singing, singing along to the radio, enjoying a cigarette. Next thing, he's got a buzzard flying around his car. Can you imagine? Oh, horrendous, no. Yeah. Like, even, like... A bee or a wasp in your car is petrifying. Yeah, like a fucking buzzard. Yeah, but he had to no. pull into a lay-by, and then there's like you didn't know what to do, it's like to let this buzzard out. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you can imagine the buzzard as well. The buzzard's thinking, right, you know, rabbit <laughs> breakfast. Look at this game on. Next minute, he's in a Honda Civic doing sixty miles an hour. That's one Less, fucked up situation. Listening to some Oasis, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Best day of his life. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, super up. That will do us. That will do us, man. I really had a, a really good time. Yeah, lots of fun. Um, I could speak about the nineties forever. I think. Yeah, I know it was a great time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was indeed. Um, just before we leave, I will put your links to your, your socials and stuff in the podcast description, but give yourself a quick shout-out before we wrap it up. Yes, yeah, so our podcast is called Straight From The Hot Tap, um, so you can pick it up on any of the main platforms. We, we release it on CastBox, but you can find it on Spotify. Um, just ask Alexa to play Straight From The Hot Tap um, or um, you know Apple as well. Uh, our podcast is basically uh, comedy uh, with a bit of serious content as well. We very much talk about uh, growing up in the 90s, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about that today. We've got some great guest interviews. You can hear a, a round-the-world yacht skipper talking. You can hear an author, a ICV news anchors coming on soon, and probably the best interview I've ever done in my life will be released in a couple of weeks, which is with a guy who was actually kicked out of the French Foreign Legion. That's not worth tuning in for. I don't know what is. Yeah, uh if you're not tuning into that, you're not tuning into anything worth list- listening to, basically. Right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, again, hosted on Captivate, recorded on Squadcast, which I'm going to be honest here, like, I don't think there's anybody from Squadcast listening. There's been a few issues. <laughs> <and> <laughs> like, nobody from Squadcast is listening to this, trust me. 
and matchmaker.fm was where this was arranged but as always guys thanks for tuning in we will uh, speak to you soon cheers that was a quite the thing media production